Good morning, Rimrock. Uh, glad to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Boomer Rowland. I'm the family pastor, and uh, this is Jeannie Short, and Jeannie's on staff with us. And actually, Jeannie, your job is kind of to make everything look like it's uh, running smoothly because uh, you do a ton of stuff behind the scenes. A lot of my work's behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to have you with us this Thanks. morning. And uh, your your purpose here is going to be revealed uh, before we're done with the message. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you're here with us this morning. We're in the middle of this uh, uh, series in the book of Ecclesiastes. And this morning we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, uh, uh, open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And I want to start by just reading our our section of scripture for this morning. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When we make a vow to God, do not de delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and then not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow is a, is a mistake. Why should God be angry at, you, at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. So in this section um, of Scripture, Solomon is making some observations uh, about uh, his people or the people that he's leading as they're entering in to worship God. Uh, I think it's interesting that his Solomon's father David had a heart to build a temple for God. Um, you know, for years, um, God God's presence dwelled in the tabernacle, which is a tent that God had instructed the people um, to build. And as they wandered through the desert, as they moved from um, Mount Sinai and eventually into the Promised Land, uh, but then now they've set up the capital. Uh, in Jerusalem, and yet um, even in the days of David, God, God's presence was still dwelling in the tabernacle. And David had this huge heart for God and loved to worship God. And David is looking at, he's living in this palace um, that is a place for a king to live, and yet God's living in a tent. Um, and, and David was wrecked by that. And so David had this heart desire to build the temple. But God didn't give that job to David. He said, nope, that's going to be for your son. And so Solomon oversees the work of building the temple that his father had designed. And, and uh, Warren Wiersbe makes these comments, and I think they're in, they're helpful in setting the tone for the, what we're going to look at today. It says, he, Solomon, watched the worshipers come and go, praising God, praying, sacrificing, making vows. And he noticed that many of them were not at all sincere in their worship, and that they left the sacred uh, precincts in worse spiritual condition than when they had entered. What was their sin? They were robbing God of the reverence and the honor that he deserved. Their acts of worship 
were insincere and hypocritical. And so as we look at this, these first several verses in chapter 5, really the whole theme of this is being careful as you enter into worship. Let's reread uh, verse 1. It says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. And so the first thing I want to encourage you about today is when you enter into worship, to prepare yourself for worship. You know, we, to these words, um, guard your steps at the beginning, really is, um, it's really a call to tread carefully. Um, we, we really can't enter into worship in a casual kind of flippant way, but we really have to do some work ahead of coming into the, the very throne room of God, into God's presence um, in, in worship to him. And it's a huge privilege that we have, and, and it's one that Jesus paid dearly in order to open for us. And our responsibility then is to enter into with, uh, with a right heart. And in fact, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus implies this in the Sermon on the Mount. It's in a section where he's talking about uh, murder and hating people. Um, and so uh, that's the immediate context. But, but let's look at what Jesus implies here. This is what he says in verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. You know, it's, it, it, there's an implication that what's more important to God is the heart of the worshiper rather than um, the, the gift that they would bring, Right? And so uh, we know that the heart's important. In fact, um, David in Psalm chapter 51, this is the psalm where uh, David's been confronted with his sin, and we see um, David's uh, repenting uh, to God, his attitude of brokenness before God. And here's what David says. He, he says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. God is so concerned with our hearts. And so as we start into this section of scripture, it's really important for us to understand that we need, before we enter into worship, we need to prepare our hearts. We need to deal with uh, un, uh, unrepented sin, and we need to come, like, really get that business done before we just um, casually come in to the throne room of God. Yeah, there's work to do. But it goes beyond just preparing ourselves before we go in. Solomon adds another thing. The question is like, then what are we bringing um, when we come to worship? And I absolutely love this, um, this word in verse one, uh, listen, right? We come to listen, and it's the same word. It's, the word is shema in Hebrew. I am no Hebrew scholar, but I learned this one little bitty thing. Uh, it's the same word um, it, in the prayer called the shema, right, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter six. And it says, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. That's the same word, hear, listen. Here's the interesting thing. In Hebrew, there's no separate word for obey. 
It's all wrapped up in this one word, Shema. Listen, hear, and respond, and obey, right? And so anytime, now, here's Solomon saying, we come into worship to what? To listen, to listen. So not just to hear the word of God, but also then to be ready to respond to it, to be ready to obey, um, to do that. I love um, the Bible Project is a, a fabulous ministry. I love their videos, and I learned tons of stuff. In fact, that's where I learned the Hebrew Shema thing. Um, but Tim Mackey, who does those videos, uh, made this comment. He says, uh, in Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. And uh, I love our Facebook friends. If you're uh, watching on Facebook, um, we're putting the link to that, uh, that whole video so that you can learn about that word as well. It's a, it's a fabulous thing. Unfortunately, King Saul didn't have the Bible project to teach him um, that little tidbit because uh, King, Solomon, or King Saul had to learn that the hard way, right? And so in the midst of Saul kind of um, leading Israel out of his own effort, and you can, you can look at his whole story, but this part of it in 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul has been given very clear instructions by God um, for this battle that was to take place and, and what was to be captured and what was to be destroyed. And Saul um, worked in his own wisdom. He did his own thing. And yet he then came to try to cover over his disobedience by bringing something for sacrifice. And I love the words of the prophet um, Samuel at the time, and this is what it says in verse 22. It says, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? And then he says this, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So, not only are we preparing our hearts when we come into worship, but when we come, we need to come with this attitude of listening, hearing God's word, but then being responsive to it and obeying it. Because way better than any number of worship songs that we can sing or any uh, amount that we can put in the offering plate or giving online, any of those things, far better than any of that, is our obedience to what our Father is instructing us to do. And it's, so, it's so clear as we read through Scripture, not just in that section. And so uh, today we don't bring animal sacrifices anymore because Jesus finished the work of the animal sacrifice. He, there's no reason for us to bring an animal sacrifice because Jesus paid all of that um, he fulfilled all of the need for the sacrifice when he died on the cross. Um, but, but we bring spiritual sacrifice. Jeannie, what are some of the things that come to mind when you think about the spiritual sacrifices that we bring today? Well, when I think about the spiritual sacrifices that we can bring, I think about uh, bringing our bodies mm. and our actions, our works, yeah. um, bringing really our broken heart. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, praise, mm -hmm. but also we sacrifice uh, and bring our laments and mm -hmm. our cares. Um, and I think we can really uh, sacrifice just our our whole person yeah. and not need to be in control or yeah. uh, think that we are or yeah. should be. 
that that verse in Romans chapter 12, right, where Paul mm-hmm. says um, to offer your bodies as a living yeah. sacrifice. And and as I've heard that being taught and as I've taught it to kids, we, we talk about the, the problem with a living sacrifice is they can crawl off the altar, right? Right. <laughs> there and was it's a so reason easy to that do that. They, right. And it is. That we, and think we should. It is. And so that it's mm-hmm. a, there, there is a real act every yeah. day, every moment even right. of saying, I'm, I'm going to bring my very life as a sacrifice. For sure. Yeah. It's so cool. The, the mm-hmm. opportunity that we have. So as we're looking at um, applying these uh, Solomon's instructions today, not only do we want to make sure that we're preparing ourselves before we enter into worship, but then as we're in worship to be listening to God's word and ready then to obey as we walk away, as we, as we, um, as we walk through the journey that God has in store for us. Let's look, look, let's look at verses 2 and 3 of this uh, section in Ecclesiastes 5. It says, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. Uh, Jeannie, have you ever heard the saying, God's given us two ears and one mouth, so we should listen more than we speak? I have, but it's not the easiest thing to do. <laughs> well, it's totally not easy. No. No, I mean, James kind of alludes to that too with the power of the tongue and the destructiveness, yeah, right? Sure. But it, we, we hear that wisdom through scripture sprinkled, mm-hmm. so it's not, just a, it's not just a saying, and I'm sure my mom uh, shared that way more than one time, like, you should listen more than you speak. But that's really what Solomon is encouraging us and really cautioning us about is is the how we use our mouths, especially in this uh, in this relationship, in this worship relationship with God, and and so he really kind of turns his attention to how do we pray. And I love that Solomon gives us the perspective. He says, "God is in heaven, and you are on earth." Like, let's get it let's get it right. Um, Who is eternal and who is uh, created? Who's the creator? Who's the created? Who's... um uh, who's in charge here? And And if we can get the relationship right, then it does... it does... um... it does shape the way that we enter into prayer, right? That we want to... we want to measure our words really carefully. Uh, Jesus uh, speaks to this in Matthew chapter 6, and he says, uh, when he's instructing his um, disciples, his disciples have asked him, like, how do we pray? And so Jesus, in his instruction, this is what he says. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Verse 6, but when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You know, as I was reading that um, scripture this morning, the thing that came to mind was this encounter, right, with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And, and you know, the prophets of Baal spent uh, the majority of the day 
you know, uh, petitioning their false god to come and act. And yet, uh, Elijah's prayer is very, very simple. Is very, especially by comparison, very, very simple, and God responded. Why? Well, God already knew what, what was going on. He was watching. He's active, right? And God's active in our life as well. God's involved. He knows what's going on. Uh, Jesus says, you know, God knows you intimately and personally. He knows even how many hair are on your head, right? And so God already knows. So when we enter into uh, a conversation with God, enter into prayer with God, we don't need to try to convince him or need to try to catch his attention with a lot of uh, words, but simply coming and talking to our Father and telling him what's What's going on in us? What do we need to repent from? What do we need? Uh, what are we struggling with? What are we afraid of? What are we concerned about? Uh, what are we thankful for and rejoicing for? But we don't need a lot of extra words in order to get his attention. Charles Spurgeon uh, has this comment. He says, "It is not the length of our prayers, but the strength of our prayers that makes the difference." It, it really is about a. Uh, the element of faith that comes as we're, what's the posture of our discussion with the Lord, right? So, Jeannie, before we um, kind of go, um, the the big reason that I invited you to come um, share with us this morning is because, you know, we've been on staff together for several years, and um, and often in our staff meetings on Wednesday mornings, um, I love that Ben kind of invites us to share Mm -hmm. what God's been doing in our lives. And one of the things that I've really come to look forward to is what story you might share. Um, because uh, it seems like you you often are sharing, this is what God's teaching me, or this is how God's correcting me, or um, this is how God's encouraging my heart, or this is how I see God meeting a need. But it often the story, that answer comes out of a time of quiet and a time of kind of uh, solitude and silence for you. And I would love for you just to talk to us a little bit um, this morning about um, what, what, what are those rich things that kind of come out of that? Or how did you get started into that, uh, those, those disciplines of silence and solitude? Well, uh, silence and solitude was new to me in my 20s, Mm. Um, but I had a spiritual mentor, Margaret, who introduced me to them, Mm. and she really encouraged me to start small. So I Mm. started just by shutting off my radio, maybe even for five minutes on the way to work, uh, or shutting off the radio in the house if I was there alone. And that is something that has just built in frequency Mm. as I've gotten older and as I've experienced the richness of it. Uh, And so it was just started small and then it built over the last couple of decades. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I I remember one time you were sharing a story during staff meeting and you made the comment that um, you that you took a nap during your quiet time. Mm -hmm. And I uh, honestly, as I heard that, I thought, wow, that's really cool that that you would feel the freedom to nap. But that may seem kind of strange to other people or a little odd that in the midst of your time of um, being in God's presence that you would nap. How do you not walk away from that kind of feeling like, 
um, guilty that you um, you were sleeping on the job, maybe? Well, I don't really um, see it that way. I don't. I, I yeah. just rest without hesitation. If I'm tired and I, I'm, I use longer periods of time now. Uh, I just find that rest is an invitation that I've hear sense from God, and I rest freely. Uh, I don't rest the whole time usually, but. Often I start with rest. Uh, there's an author, Ruth Haley Barton, in Invitation to Retreat, actually encourages people to start retreats mm. with sleep. And I think that it helps us, if we're rested, to be more alert and more yeah. attentive listening yeah. for God's voice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And, and that, that stirs in me the reminder we were talking about Elijah Mm -hmm. But you remember how that story ends with Elijah and the prophets of Baal, that then he's gripped with a fear and he runs, he runs. away. And yeah. where does he end up going, right? He ends up like sleeping under a broom tree, right? Mm -hmm. And God's angels come and attend to him. But it's just that, just yeah. sleep, just rest, be mm -hmm. refreshed. And God does something kind of amazing in the midst of the, the rest, doesn't he? And we find a lot of scripture yeah. that invites us to rest in God. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. That's cool. Thank yeah. you for that example. Yep. Um, so for some people um, that are listening, and the reason that we're bringing this up is because really as we enter into worship with God and we want to have this posture of listening and that it, we can't listen when we're talking, right? Right. And so that's really what kind of stirred this idea about silence mm -hmm. and solitude kind of being quiet. But that may be a new thing for some um, mm -hmm. folks. I, I would say I'm, I'm new in it, right? Mm -hmm. And so what what suggestions can you give for people to be able to kind of start into that, to put them in a place where they can be quiet enough that they would be able to hear? I think by starting small. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be five minutes, 10 minutes, but it can start 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and um, so start little, and then as you experience that and get more used to it, you can either continue with that amount of time, or if you want to challenge yourself, challenge yourself to a longer period of time. Yeah. Uh, I've really, over 20 years, built up to where I typically take two days of reflection wow. a month. Yeah. And that that's, that's become more regular just in the last couple of years. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like I didn't start that. 20 years ago. Right. I started that several years ago, just occasionally, and then maybe quarterly, and mm. then sometimes monthly, but it's been something that's grown over time. Yeah. And it's just become a real lifeline for me. Yeah. You know, as I was talking um, with Blake, my son, about this message this mm -hmm. week, and, he's, and I was talking about the idea of silence and being quiet, and he said, you know, I try that. He said, but the, the voices in my head are really, really loud, right? Yeah. And what, how do you, in the midst of that kind of being quiet, how do you quiet this noise, even if you can put yourself in an environment that's closed, that, that's quiet? I try not to fret too much about the voices, but I do try a couple of things. So one of the things I do is if I find that the voices in my head are telling me all the things I should be doing at that mm -hmm. time, I really just take a piece of paper and I write it down and I just start scribbling out all those things that are coming to my mind that I should have done yesterday and I didn't. And I, then I can let that paper rest and that paper can just be near me 
and be available. If more ideas come to my mind, I can throw them on there. Mm -hmm. And I know that it will still be there yeah. when I get back to it. Yeah. And then I can let it let go of it. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing I do. Um, and then I've heard, um, actually there's an author that talks about those voices in our head kind of being like monkeys in a tree. <laughs> uh, so pretty big distraction. Yeah. And um, I've found that if I let those distractions, if I just kind of imagine myself at the edge of a creek or a stream, just let them float by, mm. then I don't have to crane my neck to try to follow them. Right. I can just let them go and it's okay that they were there, yeah. but they don't get my full for focus. Right. I love that. And I can just imagine them yeah. leaving. But it, like with any discipline, right, it, it starts small it and does. it takes practice. Yep. And the longer we do it, the, the better we seem to get at it. Right. And we learn kind of what works for the way God's designed us. For sure. And I even heard in your story today a little bit of it changes with the season of your life as well. Yeah. Right? You've got maybe a little more space to be able to do longer times away than you did when you had kids, you know. My kids being older <laughs> has helped me be yes. able to carve more time yeah. more easily. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Jeannie, thanks for being with us this sure. morning. It's my That's pleasure. so, so good. Um, those, those examples um, uh, are good as we consider what uh, Solomon is talking about in chapter 5 here at the beginning. And so I just want to leave you this morning just encouraging you um, that as you enter into worship, and that doesn't just mean this Sunday morning um, gathering, but any time that you're entering into uh, an intentional time of worshiping God to prepare yourself before you go in and then go prepared, ready, expecting to hear from God and um, be ready then when you do hear to walk away, ready to respond, to obey. So part of that prayer would be, it could be, um, asking for the faith and the, the, uh, um, the boldness and the courage to obey what God is calling you to do. Um, I'm going to pray for us this morning, and uh, we're going to continue to worship in song. Um, so would you pray with me? God, I thank you for today, and I thank you for uh, Solomon's wisdom and his perspective on life, and the reminder this morning um, that, God, you are in heaven, and we're on earth. We are the created and you are the creator. And Father, that when we enter into uh, a time of worship with you, Father, I'm asking that you would remind us through your spirit um, to get ourselves ready to come into your throne room. Father, that you would give us uh, uh, open ears and open hearts to receive what you have uh, for us in that, in that moment. Father, you are active, you are um, concerned with our lives, you are um, you're involved in what is going on. And Father, you already know. You know what we fear, you know what we need, you know, um, um, Father, you know us. So Father, would you just come, uh, would you uh, encourage us and train our hearts to come ready to receive from you and then ready to respond to you. 
Father, we love you and we lift you high and we continue to worship you even as we leave uh, this moment and we go through the rest of our day and our week. Father, help us just to carry with us an attitude of worship. In Jesus' name we pray.